0: Turn in your Bibles to two passages that we're going to get to today, Revelation, we're going to be back in Revelation again, Revelation 12 and Romans chapter 8. Revelation 12 and Romans chapter 8. Now, we have this morning and next Sunday that we are continuing in our, our brown bag summer series. And, and the brown bag series is kind of on the idea when you got a brown bag lunch that you take to work, uh, most of the time you don't pack yourself, somebody else did, and you don't know what you're getting until you open it up. And so the idea of brown bag summer is we don't really know where we're going from week to week. We just kind of find out when we get here. The same has been true for me. Uh, but... This morning, as we open up our brown bag, we're going to talk about this morning a message that I'm calling spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. I want to continue down the road this morning in the same direction that we've been traveling uh, for the last couple of weeks. This was not planned. This was not a, a series. This is just where God has taken me based on the last couple of weeks. And I want to uh, kind of take advantage of the fact that this week is the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. And I want to take some some, uh, truth of Independence Day and I want to bring it to application today to make some some, uh, uh, helpful application about spiritual warfare. So before we do that, if you'll join me in a word of prayer. Father, as we gather around your word this morning, I pray that... You will make it rich, that you will make it clear, that you will make it concise, and God, that we will not only be uh, uh, drawn closer to you, but Lord, we'll be convicted in the areas that we need to be convicted in, and God, we will be challenged and inspired to live more in line with what you have called us to be and to do. God, we ask your presence to be here in strength and power, in Jesus' name, All God's people said, amen. Amen. All right. So it is the 4th of July this week. And I recognize that most of you this this week uh, on Thursday and Friday, uh, you're going to be hanging out with friends and you're going to be hanging out with family. You're going to be grilling hot dogs and hamburgers and steaks and all kinds of good things. You're going to be going to the lake. You're going to be going to the river. Uh, You're going to be celebrating life in general. And all of that is great. But I want to remind you this morning what the 4th of July is really all about. So the first colony in America was settled in 1607 in Jamestown, Virginia. And it was settled by people who were fleeing religious persecution And over the next many years, more and more and more people arrived from the continent of England or Europe and the Isles of Great Britain. And it was a mixture. It was a mixture of people who were also fleeing religious persecution as well as people who are just trying to get away from their past, to escape their past, to escape bad decisions, really, really grievous errors, and to, and to leave all of that behind and get somewhere where they can get a fresh start and start all over. Now I want you to think for a second how bad it has to be before you're willing to, to go all the way across an ocean in a wooden boat... When you have no guarantee of what will happen when you get there, and in fact, you don't even have a guarantee that you'll even make it there alive. How bad does it have to be before you're willing to do that? But they came. They came, and they came to start a new life, not necessarily an easy life, but a life that was finally free from the oppression and the mistakes and the errors that had haunted them and be, been a part of their past, they wanted a clean break from that to start all over. And you know what they found? They found that those ties to the past are really hard to get away from. See, the, the government of England tried to still continue to dictate the life that was lived and what was acceptable and what was not in this new world, the colonies of America on the other side of the ocean. The very thing that they had tried to avoid, the very thing that they had tried to get away from followed them all the way across an ocean to this place where they were trying to build a brand new life. And for 100 years or so, they all tried to tolerate it. They, they tried to work around it. They tried to just, just make do and, and make the best of it. But on the 4th of July, 1776, the leaders of all 13 American colonies signed a document saying enough is enough. And in that document, they all put their name on it, and that document became one of the founding documents of our nation. We call it the Declaration of Independence. And the first part of the Declaration of Independence says these words. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands that have tied them to another. And then it goes on to make some other declarations. And so basically what they were saying is when you get to a point where the connections, the ties that have bound two people or more together become so intolerable, we have to bring it to an end. We must be free of it. It led to revolution. And that revolution led to the independence of the nation that we now call home. But here's the key to that declaration, and that is this that revolution depends on people getting tired of being under oppression. It depends on people being tired of being under oppression. Now, you don't have to be too creative to realize that there are a ton of spiritual truths from this scenario that we can bring forward to right now right today and make application. See when you came to Christ in salvation most of you you were trying to break free from the spiritual bondage and the spiritual baggage that made life so hard. And so you begin to to change behaviors. You change your lifestyle, you make changes in your day-to-day activities, and you're trying really, really hard to begin to build a brand new life once you come to Christ. And you know what most of you found? Is that you can't leave the past entirely behind, all the things that you thought when you came to Christ that were back behind you and no longer were a part of you, your life, you know what most of you have found? Is that they have still followed you to this very day. And they are still trying to dictate to you how your life will go and what you will do on a day-to-day basis. Just like it was true for those early pilgrims in America, it's true for us as spiritual pilgrims as well. And just like those patriots in those early days of America, we must come to the realization that the kind of revolution that leads to freedom only comes when you and I get sick and tired of being oppressed and when we realize that we are being actively opposed. And you are being opposed. Whether you realize it or not, you are being opposed. You know why? Because you were born into a world that is at war. You were born into a world that is at war from the time of your birth to this very day. You were born into a world that was at war from before you were born to this very day. In fact, this world has been at war since before the birth of Christ. This very day, I want you to share a passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Revelation 12 1 through 9. We read this, and now a great sign appeared in heaven a woman. "'Clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, "'and on her head a garland of twelve stars. "'Then being with child, she cried out in labor "'and in pain to give birth. "'And another sign appeared in heaven. "'Behold, a great fiery red dragon "'having seven heads and ten horns "'and seven diadems on his heads. "'His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven.' And threw them to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. And then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. And so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent Of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Church, that same dragon that wanted to destroy Jesus is the same dragon who, along with his demonic angels, wants to destroy your life today. It is an incessant battle, and you cannot avoid it because you were born into the middle of it, and it is against you. You may not have known that, but it is against you, and there's only one way to freedom, and that is to say enough is enough. I declare a revolution against Satan and I declare independence based on the power of the blood and the testimony of who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross. That is the only way that you can and will win the battle that is being raged against you. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to read verses 5 through 14. Romans 8, beginning in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh... But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you Who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He's a good, good father. And if we try to win this battle on our own, in our own power, you are destined, hear me, you are destined to lose. If you try to do this in your own strength, you will lose every time. And you will only be able to fight it in your own power apart from salvation. Because that's all that's available to you. As you read that passage of scripture from, Rome, from Romans, you can't please God in the flesh. If you're not of God, you can't do godly things. You cannot win this battle on your own. And yet people try to do this all the time. People all the time are trying to kick Bad habits break addictions, stop bad thinking, and you know what they find? They find themselves right back in the same place over and over and over again. And you know why? Because you and I are no match for the dark power of Satan. He is way stronger and he is way craftier than any of us sitting here today or anybody watching online. You cannot hang with him. Not in your own. You have to have a new nature and you got to have a new mind if you want to have any chance of winning that battle. And that is only available through salvation. That's why Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You need that new nature. You need that new way of thinking. That is the only chance you have of breaking the addiction to sin. And I want to tell you this morning that if you're under the slavery and oppression of sin this morning and you are sick and tired of it and you want to be free, that freedom is offered to you through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, you have to declare a revolution against the sin and the ties to that sin that you were born with and declare an allegiance with Jesus Christ through salvation. That's the only way it gets done. And we're going to give you an opportunity to invite Christ into your life to experience that freedom this morning at the end of this service. We're going to give you a chance to say, I want to be free. I want what Jesus Christ only can give me. And on the week of Independence Day, that can be your personal spiritual declaration of independence on this Sunday. But here's what I realize I realize that most of the people I'm talking to in this building this morning, you've already done that, right? I mean, you've already invited Christ into your life. That's why most of you are here, because you're trying to grow in your faith, and yet you are still. You are still struggling with issues that you had when you came to Christ and when you came to Christ, you thought they would be behind you forever and they're not. You have found that they have followed you to this very day and they want to control your life. They want to direct you in ways that you don't want to go and they want to manipulate you and keep you far, far from God and have no victory in your life whatsoever. Sadly, that is the normal life of most followers of Jesus Christ. See, you you thought that you'd get saved and it would all go away? (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. That's That's like the pilgrims that crossed an ocean and thought all the stuff that they left behind would stay behind them, but it followed them all the way across the ocean. And your past, your sin, your habits, your old nature, it's gonna follow you right until the day you breathe your last breath. You cannot outrun it. You cannot get so far away from it that it cannot find you and track you down. Your only hope is in the power of Jesus Christ. But see, here's the thing. Satan knows that when you get saved, that all that stuff that you wish would just fall off and stay behind, he knows that's not going to happen. And he uses that to his advantage. Now, I have quoted often an author that most of us know, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is, was an incredible visionary man of God who started as an atheist, but as he came to Christ, God began to open his mind and his heart to see things that most of us miss entirely. And he wrote a small book once on the tools and the craftiness Of Satan as he works with his demons to oppose people in life and trying to keep them from the enemy and the enemy of the devil is God himself. And so he's trying to keep people from God. And so he wrote this this book called The Screwtape Letters. And it is a mentor demon working with his apprentice to try to keep people from God. And he writes this in Screwtape Letter number two. This is the mentor demon speaking. He says, I note with grave displeasure that your patient has become a Christian. Do not indulge the hope that you will escape the usual penalties. In the meantime, we must make the best of the situation. There's no need to despair. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp, and they're now with us. All the habits of the patient... Both mental and bodily are still in our favor. One of our great allies at present is the church itself. Work hard on the disappointment or anticlimax, which is certainly coming to the patient during his first few weeks as a churchman. It occurs when lovers have got married and begin the real task of learning to live together. In every department of life, it marks the transition from dreaming aspiration to laborious doing. See, C.S. Lewis is saying in this very, very creative way that your salvation is the beginning of your journey towards spiritual freedom. It is not the end. It's the start of it. And on your own, you will not win. But through the power of the cross, you can get there. You cannot defeat Satan on your own, but through an allegiance with Jesus Christ through salvation, you can have victory. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he begins to talk to us about some of the things that we can do to actually finally find victory over those things that we dragged from the past. So let's read this together. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the. Paul is saying, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm flesh and blood. I am just a guy, just like all of you." And what I have come to realize in my own life is that I cannot win this fight on my own. And listen, if anybody would have ever been able to win the spiritual fight, the spiritual battle on their own, it was Paul. Paul was a who's who of spiritual accomplishment. He had a wall full of plaques, full of degrees, full of accomplishments. Paul was like the guy. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. There wasn't hardly nothing that this man didn't know. There wasn't anything that he hadn't done. And he could brag and boast about anything and everything. And Paul, Paul was saying, I cannot do this war in my flesh. And church, let me tell you something. If Paul, if the apostle Paul could not fight this fight This spiritual battle on his own, you and I don't have a hope on our own. And yet, that is how most of us navigate the world that we live in on a day-to-day basis. We get the snot beat out of us by the devil and by the world around us. And we keep thinking, man, I don't know why in the world this is happening. Because you're trying to do it on your own, church. You think that you've got it all figured out, and I know what I'm talking about because I've been there, right? I've, listen, I grew up in church. I, I used to be able to quote more boy, uh, verses of Scripture than I could count. We did Bible quiz for years. I literally, now I can't do this now, but in high school, I actually had a mind that worked. In high school, I could quote almost the entire book of Mark. I would sit and I would memorize the entire books that we were quizzing on over the course of a a school calendar year. And I could just rattle it off. I knew tons and tons of scripture, but I became an adult. And I have to tell you, there were a lot of times I'm like, well, man, I know enough. I got this figured out. I can make this work. And you know what happened? Crash and burn. Crash and burn, church. Crash and burn. And you'd think that most of us as followers of Jesus Christ, after getting singed enough, that we'd finally figure out what the problem is. But we are stubborn people, aren't we? And Paul said, you can't do it. You cannot do it. You cannot fight spiritual warfare and, and expect anything close to victory by doing it on your own. Paul said, because the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not, they're not fleshly weapons, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's Ephesians chapter six. That's the stuff that we were talking about last week. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the belt of truth. It's the helmet of salvation. It is the gospel of peace that, that, that shod your feet with. That's the spiritual warfare. It is the sword of the word. That's what you have to bring to the fight. And those weapons are not carnal. They are spiritual. And to use them, you have to live in that spiritual realm. You have to reach into that spiritual realm and say, God, help me because I can't do this alone. And he says that they're for pulling down strongholds. Now, you know, this idea of pulling down strongholds, I I think that it's important for you to understand just how significant that is. See, here's, here's how most of us kind of, fight our fight. Uh, we'll get out there and, and we'll, we'll start to engage in something because we're, we're starting to get tired of, of dealing with spiritual failure. We're starting to get tired of old habits creeping back in. We're, start, we're starting to get a little tired of, of being defeated all the time. And so we'll come out and we'll fight a little bit, maybe a day or two, and we'll chip away a little bit at, at, at something that, that the devil has as a stronghold in our life. And then then we're like, "Oh man, that wore me out. And so you back off, and as soon as you back off, he starts rebuilding it right back to where it was. And so we never get to the point where we've done anything more than make a crack or two. But you know what pulling down means? It means completely removing, completely clearing an obstacle. That is what Paul said when he says these weapons can pull down. How many of you this morning would love to have at least one thing in your life that you are sick and tired of once and for all removed from your life? Amen? That's what the weapons, the spiritual weapons that God gives us, that's what they can do. Now, what's a stronghold? Now, I love watching you know, uh, fight movies. I, I love watching war movies. I love watching medieval movies. And a, and a stronghold is those forts, those massive forts that you see on the top of a mountain and they're impenetrable. Nobody can beat them. Nobody can get in. Nobody will ever win a battle against one of those. That's what Paul is saying is a stronghold. Now, what, is, what does that mean In the spiritual world? Well, first of all, you might realize that most strongholds, they don't, a real stronghold in the physical world, it it didn't just appear overnight, right? It took a long time to build. Those things, those fortresses, they took a long, long time to build. And the strongholds in your life, most of the time, they have taken years and years and years to build. Many of them start when you're a child or in your teen years. And then you drag them into your adulthood and you get saved. You come to Christ and you never learn how to break down and destroy that stronghold once and for all. Anybody ever felt like you got one of those hanging around? So what kind of strongholds could we be talking about? Well, you know what? There's a lot of people that feel like they're worthless. They just just don't feel any value in their life at all. And so you know what they do? They'll spend every dime they have to buy the latest and greatest because that's how they prove their value to everybody else. I got the nicest clothes. I got the best watch. I got the coolest car. I got the best house. I got the best toys. I got the best of everything. Look how worthy I am. Look how valuable I am. And that thing will haunt you until the day you die and it will destroy your life and the peace in your spirit because if that's what you're pursuing, you will never find peace there are other people that because of things that happened in their childhood or or their teenage years or their early adulthood they feel like they're unlovable And they they want approval. They crave approval and they crave love. And because they didn't get it or something happened, here's why a a little switch goes off in their head and they start pursuing sexual relationships as many as they can find outside of marriage. It doesn't matter. Because that's the only time that they feel like they are truly being loved is in a sexual relationship that is completely outside of the teaching of God's word or they will do things that they never thought that they would do because if they don't, they won't win the approval of someone else who they desperately desire to have the approval of. And so you will spend a life chasing bad decision after bad decision after bad decision because you are looking for love and approval that will only ever truly be satisfied by doing life God's way. Or, or sometimes there are people who grew up in a home where there was almost no money and everything was pinching pennies, pinching pennies, pinching pennies. And so you, you have reached adulthood and you think that you cannot afford to, to, to give God 10% of what He gives you. You can't trust God with your money because something might fall apart because it fell apart in your home all the time when you were growing up. And so now I can't trust God with my money because if, it, if something goes wrong in my house, I gotta be able to take care of it. And that will destroy you. You will never be in the zone of God's blessing because you are not living in faith and obedience to what he has taught us to do. And those strongholds will never Ever let you live in freedom until you start fighting with the spiritual weapons that God has given you. So in verse 5, he says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down arguments and everything. That exalts itself against God. Let me tell you something. If you want to have spiritual victory, if I want to have spiritual victory, this is an active warfare. It is not a defensive posture. It is an active posture. And you've got to be ready to take anything that starts to say God's priority is not right. God first is not right. You got to watch out for you. You got to take care of yourself. You need to do things your way. You've got to start throwing that down and stomping on it and saying, devil, you're a liar. See, here's what happens for most of us. See, Satan is wise. He's crafty. And, and he throws out things that appeal to us. If they didn't appeal to us, there wouldn't be a temptation, right? I mean, it's not tempting if, if we're, we don't find it appealing. And he throws out little morsels of things that, that we find, ooh, I might like that. And so you know what we start doing? We start thinking about it. We start considering it. We start wondering if, if maybe God is holding out on us. Maybe God is holding back on us. Maybe if I just go ahead and do this, then I'll get what I want. Like. Parents all the time now in today's modern world, it blows my mind, parents will run kids here, there, and everywhere seeking scholarships and, and free pass to, to, uh, to college or maybe some professional you know, athletic endeavor. Boy, if I just take my kids to enough things, they'll be able, they'll be able to, to get free ride to college or maybe they'll play pro, play pro sports and I'll get rich off of them. Do you not think that God can take care of your family? Seriously, do we think that God can't take care of our family? Do we think that God is not a sovereign God? Do we think that if God wants our children to be playing on a scholarship in in college uh, athletics or make a pro sport, do we think that God is not powerful enough to allow our child to be that good that he can get there without having to skip and put God's priorities aside? But, boy, we do it all the time, don't we? And that is what casting down arguments is. Satan will whisper to you and say, hey, 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 I got an idea over here. If you do this, you'll come out ahead. This will work out better than what God is telling you to do. And God is saying, don't you dare listen. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And then he says, bringing every thought in the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing into captivity. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up as we prepare to close our service this morning. Do you know that you can't take anything into captivity if you're not hunting it? Does that make sense? You gotta be hunting it. You gotta be actively hunting it. Now I know we got a lot of hunters in here. We got a lot of people who love to go out and find that great deer. We got a lot of people who want to go out and find that beautiful turkey. And although I know it's not hunting, but fishing is sort of comparable, you want to go out and you want to find that great big bass, that big old walleye that you can put on a plaque and mount it on your wall and go, wow, look at that. That is so incredible. But those things, he, he didn't jump in your boat. The turkey didn't come to your house and knock on the door saying, you know, I've just had enough. Go ahead, take me. You only get it when you are actively out there hunting. And church, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we've got to be ready to hunt down every thought that doesn't line up with God's word and say, I've had enough. I I capture you and I bring you into obedience to the word of God. And if you're here this morning and you are tired, you are tired of winding right back up in the same place that you've been over and over and over again. This is how you get victory. This is how you get freedom. This is how you finally win that battle and bring down that stronghold. And some of you, that's just too hard right I mean we like comfort and going out and and I'll just be honest man I don't want to go sit in a deer stand for at three o'clock in the morning and when it's cold outside you know I did that in the army not hunting deer but I did hang out in the cold at three o'clock in the morning and it just wasn't fun and um and so I'm just I don't have the patience for that it's not comfortable And that's why most of us don't get engaged in spiritual warfare because it's not comfortable. We want to be comfortable. We don't want to get out where we got to do some active looking, where we got to do some active hunting, and where we got to get out of our comfort zone and be right with God so that our mind can be right with God, so that our life can be right with God, so that we can be a declaration to the world that what God said is true and He's alive in my life. But if we don't do that, we're going to keep coming right back to those same sins, those same habits, those same patterns over and over and over again. Why don't we declare independence today, church? I want to read a couple of sections of a poem that some of you are familiar with. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't want to make point of the whole thing. But it's a poem called, And God Said... No. Says, I asked God to take away my pride. God said no. He said it was not for Him to take away, but for me to give up. I asked God to grant me patience. God said no. He said that patience is a byproduct of tribulation, it isn't granted, it's earned. I asked God to give me happiness. God said no. He said he gives blessings. Happiness is up to me. I asked God to spare me pain, and God said no. He said suffering draws you apart from worldly cares, and it brings you closer to me. I asked God to make my spirit grow, and he said no. He said I must grow on my own, but he'll prune me to make me fruitful see church we want God to do all the work we want to sail across the ocean and leave all that stuff behind us and just pretend that it never happened and for it to never show back up and God said no I'm not going to do it you're going to have to work you're going to have to engage in the battle but here's the thing if you do and you use the weapons of warfare that I've given you we'll win we'll win Church, I'm ready to win. Are you? I'm ready to win. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Father, as we come to a time of decision-making, God, I pray that you'll have victory right now. By the power of the cross and by the blood of Jesus Christ, I rebuke the power of the enemy right now. Satan, you have no place here. You have no power here. Lord, this is your time, this is your place. May every decision that needs to be made be made to your honor and glory. If you're here this morning as heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're not sure that you're saved, you're not sure that Jesus is your Lord and heaven is your home forever. But you want to know. If that's you, would you slip your hand up anywhere in the building this morning, anywhere? Anyone says, I don't know, that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Anyone? If you're watching this video, I encourage you to surrender right now. Give your life to Jesus. Invite him into your life. Confess your sin, and he will meet you right where you are. And the journey begins. The rest of us here this morning, by our declaration, we are saying that we've done that. But we need victory. Church, would you stand? Father, we pray now that you will anoint these altars. And God, that every decision made will be one that needs to be made. For victory, in Jesus' name, amen.